Some things just should not be discussed. Chief among this list is the topic of money. Sound like anything you've heard before? The truth is, Jesus talked about money. A lot. And if he found the topic important, there might be some principles we need to learn. Welcome to Don't Talk About Money, a series where we talk about money. You may be surprised to know that one of my best subjects in school was math. In fact, I actually, I enjoy math, okay? I know that's probably weird for some of you. You're thinking, Pastor, what's wrong with you? But I actually enjoy math. I, I enjoy solving a problem and, and, and figuring it out. There's just something about it for me that, uh, like, it's almost therapeutic at times. The one part of math that I didn't really care for, though, was word problems. You know what I'm talking about? It's where, you know, the train starts here, and if it goes east this many times, and it goes west this many times that all of a sudden you've got to try to figure that out. And I, I, you know, I just didn't care for that. That wasn't my thing. But I saw something on the internet that really gives me faith in this next generation as it comes to word problems, because I think they figured out the real answer to the world problem. Check it out. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How... How much money? How much money does he have? Jay broke. How many of you feel like Jaden, right? You got some cash and you got some change, but you find out that yourself is still broke. We're in a series called "Don't Talk About Money," where we're going to talk about money. We're using the Bible as our textbook, if you will, and the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, Jesus' uh, recorded teaching uh, has about 15% uh, on the subject of money. And so last week we gave you several principles and I'm going to tell you this whole series kind of intertwines together. So we're going to kind of give you a quick review this morning. Number one is this, is uh, the first principle we said was follow the leader. We need to base our financial life and decisions on the principles contained within the word of God. We believe at hope that the Bible is our guidebook for living. And we're going to learn principles from this book during this series. Number two is the Simon Says principle. This is a principle of strict obedience. If you don't listen to God and do what, you, what his word says, you lose. If you obey another voice, you lose. Accept that God knows what is best for you, and then we have to obey his voice. We believe in the principle of tithing. That's why we just received an offering a few moments ago that's found in Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10, because we understand that when we follow God's plan, we win. The third principle is the you are here principle. Now, if you want to be financially free, you have to know what your current reality is. You have to know exactly what it is. And this is the biblical principle of counting the cost. The fourth principle was the Sam Walton principle. He was the creator of Walmart and he's worth millions and billions of dollars, but you couldn't tell by looking because he still wore the same old beat up hat, still drove his same old truck. In fact, it's in a, it's, I, I believe that's in a, a museum there up in Bentonville, Arkansas. And he learned the secret of disciplined living, and that's living below your means. 
So if you weren't with us last week and you say, Pastor, you, you did a whole sermon right there in five minutes. I expect another one in five minutes. Now I'm going to break it down a little bit better for you here in just a minute. And I think if you weren't here last week and you haven't listened to it yet, it would help you in your life if you went back to last week and, and listened to it. So you can either do that if you want to watch me on YouTube or on Facebook, you can do that. Or we actually have a podcast that Pastor Ben sets up for us every week. It's at connectedhope.com. You can click on that button podcast and you can subscribe to it and uh, it'll come there. If you're having trouble sleeping at night, just hit play. And I promise you in about 10 minutes, you'll be right to sleep because I see some of you here on Sunday morning that do that. So I, I think that that's probably the case as well. Today, I want to give you five more money principles uh, today, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just unpack these for you. The first one, and number five, is uh, because we're, we're connecting all the series together, so this is our fifth principle, is the principle called the piggy bank principle. In a I've got to have it, I want it now world, we've lost the concept of saving money. The, the piggy bank principle really is intentional saving early in your life so that it can set you up for later in life. This is being intentional about planning for the future. Say, so what's the biblical principle for that? Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. We live in a microwave society. We want everything in an instant. We want to we we, we wanna have instant uh, food, but we also want to have instant riches. We want uh, to have money like right away. And what happens is so often is that when money comes fast, we spend it fast. You see that happening a lot with professional athletes, right? I mean, they spend what they make, and then when the income is no longer there, so many of them go bankrupt. Being a professional athlete can be extremely rewarding and lucrative. However, this is a statistic, a stark 78% of them will grow, go broke just three years after retirement. That's according to Craig Brown. He, was, he works in the sports division uh, for NKSFB. I hope that's changing. In fact, I think it is. I think some of the younger generation are seeing the mistakes that many in the older generation made. And I love what Terrence Steele, who's the right tackle of the 1-0 Dallas Cowboys, come on somebody. Uh, here's what he said last week. He signed, he signed a five-year, $86.2 million deal, contract extension. And this is what he said. He said, I'm definitely calling my mom and dad. I'm, I got to let them know the good news. And I, he said, I let them know the good news. They were super happy. He said, then I called my financial advisor right after. He had the right idea there. Well, pastor, if I had that kind of money, I would save. I've heard that before, right? If I had $86.2 million, I, I would save that kind of money. Well, would you? Because if you can't handle hundreds of dollars well, what makes you think you can handle more well? I'm trying to, I'm just, you know, you're, Pastor, you're shooting straight with us today. Yeah, I'm a straight shooter. I'm going to tell you like it is. Because why do we think that we, if we can't manage $1, that we can manage $1 million? Saving now would alleviate headaches later. According to Proverbs, it says, wealth from hard work grows over time. How many know it's hard work to save? It's hard work to save. 
Why? Because we want, we want things in an instant. We want what we want right now. We've got to have it right now. Dave Ramsey has seven baby steps and, and that encourage people to follow to, in order to get financially free. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't follow Dave's teaching to the letter of the, of, of the law. Uh, I, I think he's got a lot of great things. But, you know, I tried the old cash envelope system that he had. And it just did not work for me. You know, and so I had to find out what did work for me. But one of the things that I do believe in wholeheartedly is the first thing of a baby step is to save $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. Why is that? Because we all know cars are going to need a new set of tires, right? We know that unexpected doctor visits are going to occur and you're going to need some money. We know that the kids are going to need that expensive calculator for the start of school, or there's going to be a repair at the house that needs to be done. And if you have saved in advance, then the stress of that moment is less because you're not just worried about the problem and money. You're only worried about the problem. We have to learn to anticipate expenses. I, I, I preached to you this morning with two kids in college right now. Kinsey started taking dual credit classes through Sulphur Springs ISD and their partnership with Paris Junior College. And Maddie did this a few years ago. And I remember being surprised when I got that first bill for Maddie. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. All of a sudden, I'm going to have to spend a, you know, $400 here on, this, on, this on these dual credit classes. And, and, and so now knowing that Kinsey's coming up, few months ago, I started anticipating that expense, started putting money back into a savings account for that expense, knowing that I was going to have to swipe that card or write a check in order to pay for her, her college. And so guess what? It wasn't as stressful the second time around because I had anticipated the expense and I had saved. Now I'm going to tell you, saving is not fun. Saving is not excited. I don't get excited going, woo, I put another dollar in my savings account. What I get excited about is when I can hit uh, uh, submit on that, uh, that girderrecords.com, um, you know, cart, shopping cart, and I can buy a new vinyl record. That's what I get excited about. I get excited about going to, to, the, to the store and buying a new pair of shoes. I get excited about buying a ticket to a sporting event or to a concert. Those are the things that excite me, but putting another dollar in the bank doesn't really excite me, but it pays off in the long run. The second principle we're going to talk about this morning, principle number six, is the Veruca Salt Principle. Now, some of you, immediately, you were transported back to when you were a child and you watched uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, okay? How many have seen that show before? How many read the book? You know, you've seen it, Ver Veruca Salt. She was a spoiled little brat on that and who wanted everything right now. Now, I'm going to tell you that my wife is not in this room this morning because she's doing kids' church, but she does an amazing Veruca Salt impression. My, my shy, my introverted wife can do, uh, I want the new Palooper right now. I mean, she does, it, she does it so amazing and does a great Print a, a great impersonation of Veruca Salt. Veruca Salt principle is this. It's the principle of delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Say, so what are you talking about? It means I'm going to sacrifice now so that I will pay, I can get it later. 
I'm going to make a sacrifice right now so that I can get it later. Dave Ramsey says it like this. He says, if you, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. This is the motto, he says, of your total money makeover. It's my way of reminding you that if you will make the sacrifices now that most people aren't willing to make, later on you will be able to live as those folks will never be able to live. It's delayed gratification. Delayed gratification, really, what is an issue? It's an issue of self-control. In an I want it, world, want it now world, I've got to have the oompa loompa now. I've got to have that right this very moment. I've got to have it right now. I've got to have that new car. Or I've got to have that new truck. Or I've got to have, in my case, a new record player. I've got to have it and I want it right now. We, what we have to do is we have to push pause on that and say, I'm not going to get it now because instead of paying for it now and then continuing paying for it later, I'm going to just stop right this moment and I'm going to part putting money aside. See, Proverbs says it like this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What self-control does is builds a wall around your finances. It's saying, I'm going to protect this. I'm going to, I'm going to build this up and I'm going to use it later. See, it takes self-control to wade. Without self-control, you have no defense. You're subject to the very whim of the moment. You want it. You want it right now. You're going with your emotion. What you have, what you must have, you want it now and you can't wait. One of the biggest benefits to living by the Veruca Salt principle is that you avoid impulse buying. You avoid buying things on credit that you later figure out you don't really want or need. But Pastor Rusty, it's no fun to wait. I know. It's no fun to wait. I was Yesterday, we, we were at the Baylor game and, and uh, left Silver Springs yesterday morning with a less than 10% chance of rain in Waco. We get there and it's midway through the second quarter and Maddie texts me and she says, hey, just letting you know there's about to be a lightning delay. So what are you talking about? It's nice out. It was cool. So much better than the last time we went. When it was 105 degrees and 110 degrees, it's in the low 80s and there's a nice breeze that's blowing through. I was almost a little cold sitting there and I'm thinking, this is great. This is wonderful weather. And she's telling me there's going to be a lightning delay. Well, there was a lightning weather delay for an hour and 45 minutes. There's only so much you can do in the stadium for an hour and 45 minutes. So we go into the pro shop there in the fan shop and I saw something and I was like, that would look good on me. It was this, it was a polo shirt and had the BU logo right there. And I was like, man, that would look good on me. I'm telling you right now, that would look good on me. And I'm looking, I'm looking for my size and then I see the price tag and I said, that would look good on the rack right now and not on me. And I thought to myself, I know what I'm preaching tomorrow. And I can't just swipe the card or I can't just go, because this is not in the budget right now. But you know what I could do? Is I could say, you know what? Later on, 
I want that shirt. And so I might, I might start saving for that shirt. I might, you know, I might just push pause on some other things I'm saving for and do it. See, it's no fun to wait. But how much fun is paying interest on something that is broke because you bought it five years ago because you couldn't wait and now it's broken, you can't use it and you're still paying interest on it because you never paid it off. How much fun is that? Learn to delay gratification. Here's a challenge. You can combine the two principles, Veruca Salt and Piggy Bank. Pick something that you want to buy. Think about that. Whether it's a shirt, new pair of shoes, vehicle, Boat, hot tub, come on, whatever you want, maybe a trip, maybe there's some place you want to go, and you set up a little piggy bank, you get some extra money, and you put it in, and you begin to save, and you begin to save the money together as a family, even if you can't afford it right now, keep saving, keep saving, and when you have enough, enjoy spending it, it's okay, it's okay to spend money. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Number seven is this. It's the happy and you know it principle. This is, a, do you remember the song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands? Okay, two of you, two of you did that. Come on, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Or we, we, we spiritualize it. If you're happy and you know it, say Amen. All right, there we go. You remember the song, right? I love watching kids sing this. Why? Because they're happy and they're content. They're happy and content. They haven't learned this idea of comparing themselves to other people. Right? This is the principle of eternal satisfaction. Sorry. It's not comparing yourself to others or competing with the crowd. See, here's what comparison do. You're thrilled with your salary. You're excited until you find out how much the guy you went to college with is making. And then all of a sudden, you feel like a loser because you're comparing yourself to him. You love your furniture until your friend invites you over for coffee. And then you walk in and you see their new couch and you're like, man, I need something new. You love your landscaping until you take a walk around your neighborhood. Your TV is wonderful until your friend invites you over for the game and you see their gigantic OLED screen with surround sound and then you're like, man, I have a loser TV. Here's what we got to do. We got to drop out of the rat race. We got to quit basing our satisfaction on what others have. Instead, celebrate that God has given us what he has given us. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. In her book, I've been reading this book called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. It's Rachel Cruz, and she says it like this. She said, the road of comparison always dead ends at debt. Remember, it's okay to have nice things. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a little luxury as long as it makes sense in your world. However, when you pile up a bunch of stuff and go neck deep in debt to buy it all, you don't really own your stuff, it owns you. The debt takes over, steals all your income, and you suddenly become a servant to the things you thought would make you happy. 
Happiness doesn't come from what you have, how new your car is or how much money you make. That's not the secret of being content. Paul talks about the secret of contentment in Philippians 4.11. He says, not that I, have, I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with what I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And here's what he says. Now listen, we, we, we cherry pick this scripture right here and we put it on our cross stitch and we, we put it on the, in, our, in our living room and in our homes and we, we quote it. But if you look at it, Paul's talking about contentment here. And he says, I've learned to do this, whether it's with a lot or with a little. And he says in verse 13, for, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, the secret of contentment is found in the knowledge that God gives you strength. And through his strength, you can do all things. Amen. Amen. So this next principle, I want to give you a little balance here, right? Because we've talked about saving money. We've talked about delaying our gratification. We've, we've talked about, you know, the internal satisfaction. And I want to give you a little balance to all the saving, to all the waiting, and all the doing without. And it's called the birthday party principle. How many, how many love a good birthday party? Come on, somebody. You know, one, two, three people. I mean, I love a good birthday party, a good celebration. Can you imagine a life where there's only one birthday party? Like your whole life, that's all you got. Never, never get a birthday party. I mean, one in your entire lifetime. That's not any fun. You don't have one party. In fact, periodically along the way, you celebrate. This is the principle of incremental rewards. If you don't celebrate financial progress every once in a while, guess what happens? You lose heart. You're saving money to pay off a debt, build a house, go to Disney, buy a car, and you're Attila the savings hun. <laughs> you're not letting your spouse or your children even have a dime to spend, right? Every once in a while, you need to relax. You need to celebrate something along the way. Have fun. Go get ice cream at the Magic Group. Go to Chick-fil-A and eat some chicken and play on the playground. Do something. Have fun. Celebrate victories along the way. Cheer your kids on. When they get to their first $100 in their savings account, give them $10 to spend. Do something that is, is rewarding. Say, Pastor, how, how do you practically do that? How do you do that in your life? I'm going to tell you how I do it in my life. I celebrate when something good happens financially. I, I do. Every time we pay off a student loan in our house, we go out to eat. We celebrate. I'm going to tell you that on October the 24th or the 25th of this year, in two months, I'm going to pay off my final uh, student loan, and I'm getting me a big old steak. I'm telling you, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to have a ribeye, and it's going to have some butter on it. There's going to be there's going to be like a baked potato and a salad and some of that bread. If I have to drive to Rockwall to go to the salt grass to get it, I am going to celebrate. Why? Because I no longer have to sit. Sally May, or I no longer have to send whoever it is a, 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 a direct deposit every month into their account because I am free. Come on, somebody, give God praise for that, right? Ecclesiastes 2.24, what's the biblical pre precedent? 
He's talking in Ecclesiastes. He says, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. Now think about that. So many people are like, oh man, you, you, can't, you can't do all that with your money. You can't, have, you can't have, no, listen. He's saying right here, Solomon, the wisest man, he's saying these are pleasures from the hand of God. My papa used to say it like this. He said, Rusty, it's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. It's okay to spend a little bit. It's okay to celebrate a little bit. And so many people want to want to go extreme here. And I'm saying, listen to, to yourself. Be extreme, but find reasons to celebrate along the way. When Maddie got a scholarship one night, uh, when you guys know, she got the Bright Star Scholarship. That's the reason she goes to Baylor today. When she got that scholarship, I looked at her and I said, you can go to Baylor now. Because I knew at that point that it was well within the budget and, 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 and it, was, it was God that had blessed her. And when she got that, we went out and we celebrated that night. When good things happen, we celebrate. Why? Because you want to give God praise. You want to enjoy it. You want to celebrate. Listen, have a party. Man, when you get to that whatever it is and you're done or you get that credit card paid off, don't go swipe that credit card, but if saved up a little bit of money so that you can go out and celebrate. If, if all the money you have is to go to McDonald's and get a little 99 cent, well, don't go to McDonald's because their ice cream machine's broke, but if you can go someplace else and get, a, you know, get, get like the little Frosty or something from Wendy's or whatever and celebrate. If that's all you can afford to do, then go celebrate. Find a reason. Find a reason to celebrate. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Number nine. This is called the library principle. Three years ago when I was sick with COVID uh, and I quarantined to our bedroom for several weeks, I got bored pretty quickly. I'm, I'm telling you, there's almost, there's there's only so much TV you can watch. You know, I'm not a Judge Judy kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's Oprah's not really my jam. So all those daytime talk shows, that's not really my thing. And I didn't really have the strength. You know, I tried to have my computer there, and I would try to kind of get ahead and write sermons. But, you know, when you have COVID, your brain cells are not really, like, uh, computing with one another. Everything's, like, disconnected. And so I, I tried, and it didn't work. And so I decided, like, I mean, I finally was so bored. I was like, I, I've got to pick up a book to read. But I didn't want to read for, like, work or, or, or learning or anything. I just wanted to read something superficial, right? I wanted to read for pleasure. And there were several books on my nightstand that I had gotten over the course of time that I just kept stacking up thinking, someday I'm going to read that book. And that's going to be fun. You know, I had like a Tom Landry autobiography that I'd, I'd gotten and just some different things. But Pastor Ben knows that I am a huge Star Wars fan. Like I'm, I, I just told you, your pastor's a nerd. It's okay. I love Star Wars. And so he, he had bought me a Star Wars novel as a gift a couple of months before that. And so I thought... Hey, he's giving me this. I'm bored. I'm picking this up, and I began to read it. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, within a couple of pages, I was captivated. And I devoured that novel over the course of the next day or two. And I just, I just kept reading and reading. I was transported to a long time ago into a galaxy far, far away. And after I finished it, I was like, I, was, I think I texted him. I was like, man, dude, I finished the book. It's amazing. I got to have more. Like, I, I want more. 
But the problem is, I don't want to buy more books. Like, I don't want to buy a book that I'm going to read one time and it's going to sit on the shelf because I'm cheap, okay? I'm, I'm that cheap. I don't want to buy it. So after getting well, I went down to the local library down here, Silver Springs Public Library. I got a library card, and I started, I went and I found the Star Wars section at the library, and I started going and checking out the Star Wars books, taking them home, reading it. In fact, I found a way that I could actually do it digitally. They, I don't know if you knew this, but there's a, a app called the Libby app. It's tied to Silver Springs uh, Public Library to their deal. And so the books that they've, e-books that they have available, you can go and you can download for free, for free. Come on. And so I, I, started, I started reading those. And when we go on vacation, I'm like, I'm, I've got to get me a Star Wars book. I'm going to read the book. Now, in fact, last, last summer, not this past summer, but the summer before last, we, we were there. And I sat on the balcony of our, of our uh, Airbnb place. And all I did was read, like Star Wars books. I mean, that's, that's, I had bought, brought them too because, I mean, I enjoyed it so much. Here's the thing about the library principle. I don't own the books. The library does. I just borrow them for a while. The library principle acknowledges ownership. Psalm 24.1 says this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. I've been trusted by God. Everything I have belongs to God. I'm just borrowing it for a while. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. Now think about this for a moment. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. The definition of steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. We are stewards. We have been trusted by God with some stuff, with some possessions and some money for a short time. And ultimately, we will give an account to God for how we handled his stuff. Stewardship requires not that you simply give money or give more money. Stewardship is looking at everything you have in a very different way. When you begin to think about living as a steward, you're forced to reorder your entire financial ward world. According to author Ron Blue, there are basically five ways that people spend money. Number one is this, write this down. They spend it. We're all good at that, right? Number two, people use their money to uh, repay debt. We do that hesitantly. It's not any fun to do that. Number three, come on, everybody, we got to pay our taxes, right? Uncle Sam's got to get his cut. For most of us, that's taken right out of our paychecks. For us that are self-employed, we have to set it aside and, and put, pay it at the end of the year uh, and, and, or every quarter, and that's not fun either. But for most of us, we don't really have a choice in that. And number four, we can save it or invest it. And number five, we give it. For the average America, that's the five things, but it's also the order that most people do those five things in. You get paid, you spend it, you have your bills, you pay off your credit cards, you know, so, or you make the minimum payment on that, you pay your debt, you pay your taxes. Then if there's anything left over, you save 
And then finally, if there's anything left over, you reach in your wallet and you say, okay, God, I wish I could do more, but here it is. That's basically what the average person does with their money. That order reflects an ownership mentality. The ownership mindset boils down to this way of thinking. I'm the king of my life. I'm the king of my financial world. I'll spend my money the way I want to. I'll pay my bills, pay as few taxes as possible so I can stay out of jail. And if I'm really smart and disciplined, I'll save a few bucks. Then if I really feel good and there's really a worthwhile cause, I might even give some. That's how the average America thinks in terms of money. And when you live your financial life that way, you essentially end up giving God your leftovers. After you spend, after you pay your bills, after you pay your taxes, then whatever else is left over, you say, God, I wish I could do more, but here it is. This is all I have. God, please accept my leftovers. When you act as a steward instead of an owner, you don't offer God leftovers. You do financially like you do when you entertain in your home. You prepare the finest to the guests. You live off or eat whatever is left over. Stewardship is not about giving or giving more. Stewardship is really about reordering your financial life to honor God. Flip your priorities. Give first. Save. Pay taxes. Get out of debt. Then spend. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Now think about that. We said that earlier. You know, I, I kind of said it this way, you know, how, you know, if we can't handle a dollar, what makes us think that we can handle millions? If you're faithful in small things, then you'll be faithful in large things. But he says, if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrusty about, untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will, you, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Verse 13, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Wow, pastor, that's, that's heavy. That's Jesus. That's Jesus's words. Say, so why did he talk so hard about this? Because he understood this, that people who are, who, I love how the New Living Translation uses the word enslaved here. People are in bondage when they get in bondage to money. When, when, when they don't have, well, there, there, is, there are biblical principles that we, if we apply them and follow them, it will help us to be free. Free to give, free to serve, free to help others, free to use our resources, free to enjoy the pleasures of the life, as Ecclesiastes says. But so many of us are in bondage because we're still paying off things from years ago. You say, Pastor, how can I get out of this? Listen, I get it, man. I've been there. I've been there with debt, so much debt up, up to my eyeballs that it took me years and years and years to get out from under. It's a process. It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. And it takes being disciplined. In a few weeks, we're going to start a new community group, new round of community groups, the second Wednesday in October. And I'm going to do a group that's going to be practical for you. We're going to help you walk through budgeting. We're going to help you walk through different things. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it, it's something that's hard. It's, it takes discipline. 
I spent a lot of time on Friday just trying to, you know, I kind of gotten behind. And so I'm trying to get uh, not, not on my finances, but just on my bookkeeping and personal and just trying to get caught back up on that because it's just something I believe in. And then I spent time just saying, okay, here's the next paycheck and this is where everything needs to go and writing a budget out. But you've got a corporation at your house that you've got to take care of. And I want to help some of you in a practical way. Listen, you don't have to show me your numbers. I'm just going to talk you through the process. And I'm going to pray with you. I want you to stand with me this morning. Here's how I want to end today. I prayed about this and I was like this week and I was like last week, so many of you wrote down what your greatest financial need is. And honestly, this week as I watched this sanctuary and I prayed for your needs, I was just overwhelmed because I know that people are struggling. When Pastor Ben and the service was over last week and he and I were just kind of wrapping things up and walking through the church and turning off lights and I just looked at him and I said, man, I'm overwhelmed with the response today. I thought maybe one or two people might come down, you know, you give an altar call and saying, what's your greatest financial need? And I, I thought three or four, maybe five or six might come down and give me something and we would pray. And then I would take those five, but I have a stack. I have a stack where people have given me their needs and I've been praying over you. And my heart is broken because I get it, man. I saw the news this week. I saw the news that inflation was higher than what they anticipated it being. I get it, man. I went, I went and got some shaving cream this, this, this week and I saw how much they were charging for my shaving cream that I, same shaving cream that I've been using for 25 years. And I was like, whoa. I haven't bought shaving cream in a while. Then I looked right next to it and I saw Equate, the Walmart brand. And it was a buck 50 cheaper and I said, praise God. And I walked out with the Walmart brand. I don't know how it's gonna work yet. I haven't used it exactly yet, but I'm gonna try it this week. Uh, Cause I mean, I'm out I'm gonna try it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I've been, you know, squeeze. I was like, man, I'm squeezing every little bit out of this last $3, you know, 50 cent can or whatever this was stuff. I get it. I get going to the grocery store. I get seeing that. I understand, man. My heart breaks. I'm not talking about luxury. I'm talking about necessity. I'm not talking about going out to eat. I'm talking about just going to the grocery store and buying the things that you need. Man, I see it. I get it. My heart hurts for you. I understand our economy. I'm not pointing fingers at whoever is to blame. I've been along, uh, along this ride long enough to know that we're gonna have good economies and bad economies and it's gonna come and it's gonna go and all of this thing is gonna happen. And then, you know, in a couple of years, you know, maybe six months, the gas prices will drop back down a little bit more and then the groceries might get a little bit less expensive and you know maybe salaries or wages might grow up a little bit and then maybe the housing market crashes and housing can be affordable again for some of you and I, I, I get that so my heart's been hurting this week and I just asked the Lord God how do you want me to end the service 
And I felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me and say, I want you to pray a prayer blessing over the people and their finances. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you, it's not gonna be long, but I'm gonna ask you to form a line right here. I'm gonna stand right here in this altar and you're gonna come through with you and your family, as many as you want to. If only one person does it, that's fine. If only one family does it. I'm not asking how much you owe. I'm not asking anything. I'm just gonna speak a blessing over you pastoral blessing over you and your finances because I believe God wants to, wants you to be blessed. I believe God wants you to be blessed. I think he wants to walk in blessing. For some of you, you're going to get a surprise this week. For some of you, you're going to get a surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you that. I sense that in my heart and my spirit. Somebody's going to get a surprise and you're going to, you're going to be like, whoa, Take it, use it, steward it wisely. Pay something off. Take a little celebrate. But use it wisely. Return to God what belongs to Him. Use it wisely. But I want to pray for you today. Those of you that are online, if you want that blessing spoke over you, if you will just, if you will just reach out to Pastor Ben, uh, prayer at hopefamily.tv, he's going to pray over you and your finances as well. He's going to do that right now for you. Those of you that are in the house, I want you to form a line right over here, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come, and I'm going to come down as Tisha and the team begin to sing. And if it takes 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever, the rest of you, begin to worship and we're going to we're going to ask God's blessing over you in your life today. Come on church, begin to move.
okay but I, I want to pray for your need so if you weren't here last week or maybe you were and you were like man I didn't know what to write down pastor but I, I've got a I, I figured it out there is a little card on the back table this is what is your greatest financial need if you will do me a favor if you will write that out just write it out put your name at the bottom hand it to me this is between me you and God nobody else sees these take them to the team and spread them out on the table and say, come on, everybody pray. It's your business is your business, right? As much as you're comfortable down. If you're online and you want that, email me at rusty at hopefamily.tv. Put your greatest need. I'm, I'll write it down on a card for you. 
And you say, why the cards? Well, simply because I take these and I walk this and I, I call your name out one at a time and I'm walking this sanctuary and I wanna tell you something. You say, well, what's significant about the sanctuary? Because I have prayed for my fam family and our finances so many times in the sanctuary. I've walked this sanctuary. Listen, I'm gonna tell you, the church, the church, I'm well taken care of. Sasha, we're well, well taken care of. This is not, uh, the board has always been more generous to me than, than I, I think they should at times. They've been great. So it's not about that. How many know all God's children have needs? It's not about that. But I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a reason. Maddie, Maddie will graduate college in, in May from Baylor University completely 100% debt-free. Come on. I don't, say, I don't say that as a source of pride. I say it as a source of testimony because nine years ago when I became the pastor of this church, I was thinking how, and, and I remember when Maddie said to me, Dad, I want to go to Baylor. And I was like, oh, my deal with my girls has been, I, 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 I know what student loan did to me and I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. But I'm going to tell you, scholarship after scholarship, there have been things where we, I mean, all of a sudden, I wasn't going to say this, but you guys don't judge me, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm testifying God's goodness and His glory. This week on Friday, I got an email from Baylor University, and all of a sudden, there's a scholarship in her account that we did not apply for. You... I looked at her and I said, I said, you see, this is what happens when you're faithful to God because I've seen my daughter tithe. I've seen my wife and I tithe. I've seen it happen over and over where I've been faithful to God and God's been faithful to me. And I hesitate saying that testimony because I know some of you have not been blessed in the same way and, and, and it hesitates, but I'm, I'm telling you, I've been diligent about it. I remember as a, as a teenager having a little lawn maintenance business and my dad came in and he looked at me and he said, boy, have you been tithing? And I said, man, I, dad, you know, no, I hadn't, I hadn't tithed. And he goes, you've got this whole house under a curse. You know, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm crying, you know, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. But he drilled it in my, in my head. And I've seen over and over and over in my life. I've seen a time when Sasha and I couldn't afford to put a set of tires on our car and all of a sudden somebody called and they, they showed up unannounced at the church from out of town, came into my office and handed me a check for $1,000 and it was more than enough to put a set of tires on her car. I've seen time and time, one time when her car was messed up and, and I couldn't, I, I went down and I was like, I, gotta, I just gotta get a little loan. I've gotta pay it off. And I went on a Friday and, and it was like a $2,000 mechanical bill and I paid it on a Friday and on Saturday we got an unexpected check in the mail and I was like man if I would have just trusted God a little longer I wouldn't have had to pay the interest but I was happy to walk in on that Monday morning and write a check and pay that loan completely off I'm telling you I have seen it happen over and over in my life that when I've trusted God when my finances listen I've been I've been unemployed I've been unemployed in my adult life. I get it. I understand. I've gone through things financially. I've gone through rough times financially. I've had cars that are broken down and needed to re be replaced. Sasha's car was so bad one time, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. 
Her car was so bad that we needed to buy a new car and I just knew I couldn't afford it. And I walked out into my garage one day and I said, God, I laid my hands on her car as I was walking by to go to work. And I said, God, I've been faithful to you. I need you to help me replace my wife's car. Within one week, I saw an answer to that prayer. I could tell you testimony and testimony and testimony, but I, I don't own it. None of it's mine. It's God's. It's God's, and he's been faithful to me. I'm passionate about this church because I've, I've made my mistakes. I've made my mistakes. I've made my struggles. I still do make mistakes, guys. I don't bat a hundred a thousand on this. There's times that I, I, I get a little Veruca salt in me and I, I want it and I want it right now. And I make, a, I, I swipe something I shouldn't swipe or I buy something I shouldn't buy if I would only just wait a few months. Jesus is still working on me, but I, I've seen it over and over again. And I want you to walk in that blessing. So this, in, in just a few weeks, we're gonna start a Wednesday night group. And we're gonna have two groups. We're gonna have one that Jeremiah's teaching on the book of Ephesians, gonna be outstanding. So for some of you, that's gonna be the group for you. For some of you that need help in this area, uh, I'm gonna help you out. And I hope it's gonna be a blessing to you. I hope this teaching has. Next week, we're gonna wrap up the series, Don't Talk About Money. And we're gonna again, talk about money. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let me pray a prayer blessing over you one more time. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are at work. In, in this. And Lord, I just pray, God, you, our church has heard some of my story, some of our, our family's testimony. I pray this week, God, you will write their own story. You will write their own testimony. And I pray, God, that next week they're going to come back and we're going to celebrate together. We're going to have a party. God, we're going to maybe just be a one one on two, uh, three party just together, but we're gonna celebrate in that moment and we're gonna shout and give you praise because of what you've done. I pray for student loans to be miraculously paid. I pray for credit card debt to miraculously disappear. I pray for jobs and new jobs. I pray for bonuses. I pray for raises. God, I pray for lower, lower interest rates out of nowhere. I pray for miracles on miracles. I pray that they would be able to see your hand at work. And I speak blessing over this people. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. God bless you, church, as you go today. Go with God.